Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 253rd episode of Constructed Criticism. I am your Leif Erickson host, Mason, joined by my Yargon Dargon co-host, Allie Warfield. Allie, how you doing? I am good. How are you, the Mason Clark? I am good. I'm good. It's my baby brother's 11th birthday today. So happy birthday, Graydon. Uh, and I went and did his birthday party, and now we're recording. So it's been it's been a busy day, but an exciting day. Eventful. Yeah, so many things to do today. Uh, you know, work was crazy, and now we got that done. But hey, what's more important and what's more exciting, though, is this brand new standard format that we're in. And a lot of things happened over the last week, uh, last weekend since we last talked. A lot of things kind of changed up. There might be some new top dogs in this world, so that's exciting. But first, Alec, we're going to talk about always improving. You know, that's the point of the show for not getting better or getting worse. And what was your always improving moment this week? Um, I think this fits well into this episode, but just always being able to adjust um, to a new and developing metagame, I think, standard especially within like the first few weeks of a new set, a new standard, it gets kind of hectic really quickly and then switches around a bunch and just being able to adapt to some of the new decks and play decks that I haven't even like heard of before. I didn't play any of the Saltai Ultimatum deck before uh, it won the SEG this previous weekend. So just kind of being like, whoa, there's a whole new deck out here out of nowhere after we talked last week was interesting yeah the the soul title the Manum deck the the jabberwocky one kind of came out of left field and has made a lot of impact it's it's pretty unique it's, especially playing a lot of cards that kind of got written off in the past it's funny how sometimes you know things changing just a little bit we're getting just that one more card changes the format drastically well, well at least what's playable with it so Uh, my always improving moment, continuing on my limited grind to be a limited guy. Uh, I've just continued to keep playing and learning, and I, I feel like I'm getting a lot better at not only just kind of instinctively knowing um, like good attacks and what could be in my opponent's deck. Like, you know, that when you first start playing a limited format, there's always that, like, oh, yeah, this is that combat trick, or there's this, or there's that, there's that weird card. And I feel like I've gotten pretty good at, like, knowing what my opponent could have most of the time within reason, you know? Um, sometimes you get blown out by the double rares, but that happens. But getting a much better, like, I would say footing on the format. I, I feel like I have a pretty good, like, base understanding of everything now and i'm not getting too surprised you know i'm like oh yeah it, it was demon bolts you know that makes a lot of sense with how things are playing not really surprised by that you know so no bamboozle no bamboozles i'm not being boozled at all uh, that's not true I, I did get got by like a double mythic situation but uh you know i i just didn't expect him to have gold span dragon into gold span dragon that's on me really i don't know who else to blame Jesus. so you know i i should have saw that coming i you know, highly help. I'm bleeding gems. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> that's uh, the always important part of the show. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash ccmtg. You can be a patron of the show. One of the perks, Allie, is you get to ask questions. And if you've been checked out of the Magic community, uh, you probably didn't hear today, but Uro has been banned. But we don't know how much it's been banned. And it hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen in four days, uh, for it looks like from the tweet. And 
it's going to be at least historic, <laughs> pioneer, and modern. And they were talking about banning it for legacy. So we had a very transparent thing where they're like, hey, listen, we're locked in on these three formats getting uh, getting Uro banned in. And we're having serious conversations about a fourth. Uh, we're, we're selling this product that has Uro, so we're letting you know that on Monday it's getting banned in three of the four formats. So if you're going to buy this product this Friday, just know that's going to happen. And so, hey, big props to Watsi. I love that. I think that's a great way to do it, especially when you're going to sell a card because they very easily could have been like, oh, we weren't sure, even though, you know, they're pretty sure they're going to ban that card in a lot of those formats. So the question we got asked by a couple people was, what do you think this is going to cause to happen in those formats? And Allie, I thought we could spend just a couple minutes talking about each of those three formats, starting with your favorite historic. One last thing before I hand it back over to you, I did forget to mention, is that they said they're considering lots of changes. So it might be that this coming Monday is the biggest ban list shakeup since when, uh, I guess it was Zendikar came out and they banned like three cards in like three different formats. So we might see huge shakeups. There might be more than just Uro. But what we do know for sure is that uh, Historic, Pioneer, and Modern, no more Uro, which is a blessing. So, Ali, what do you think about Historic to start things off? I love Uro ban and Historic. I am like a little hesitant of what that actually means for the format though because I am not sure how much Uro is actually keeping down a ton of other strategies like I think I, I envision a world where it's still just like Muxus and Sacrifice and as much as I don't want to see anything else hit from Sacrifice as well we just saw from like the recent rivals split in historic that sack just had like the best win rate against any deck granted no one really brought four color control but that deck's not really a or four color mid-range whatever mm -hmm. that deck's not really a thing without Uro either so yeah it's gonna be interesting Uro really does and we're gonna mention this a couple times talking about Uro. It, it really does become the only thing you need in your deck to win right like, it's nice to have other things, like the, the Salt High decks have, like, Nissas and Hydroid Crisis and some numbers, and then normally, like, a Doom Whisper or something. But Uro will solo people. And we see this in Modern more where the only win condition in some decks are just four Uros. And those decks are good. And I don't know how much that impacts Historic, because the answers in Historic, while have gotten better, are not as good as they are in those older formats. So maybe it won't cause huge shakeups. But I can imagine a lot of decks that just cannot beat Uro, and the cards that Uro plays around it really lean into the nature of like, yeah, but you have Hydrid Crisis and Uro to mitigate all these one-for-ones you're doing. You know, you're, you're throwing all these Heartless Axe Eliminates, Thought Seizes, and you're trading off all these cards because you know you're going to get that huge burst later, and your opponent's going to lose because of this. Um, yeah. So it's, so it's so massive to me that I just don't even know. My thoughts are is if, if it's the only thing that gets banned... I can't imagine a world where Sacrifice isn't one of the best decks, if not the best deck still. Um, yeah, that was kind of my thought. I really don't want them to touch Sacrifice, but I don't see a world where Sacrifice is not just, like, the best thing that you can be doing in Historic. Yeah, people are going to have to start, like, main decking Cage or Rest in Peace and stuff like that again, I think. If, uh, like, Control decks at least, they're going to keep you doing to do that. That's the case. And yeah. it's, it's going to be crazy, especially with um, Historic Anthology 3 is coming out soon. I think it's like in the next month or two. So oh, I'm so excited. 
yeah, I could actually see where maybe they just hit Uro and they write something like, yeah, we know sacrifice decks are really good. We want to see if maybe Uro is... Because I could see where Uro decks are pushing out decks that maybe could could be bad matchups for sacrifice. Sacrifice would probably still have so many good ones it wouldn't matter. But like, you know, another threat because I really do feel like the Sultai sacrifice matchup was fairly even. And when the two best decks are fairly even, that's good for gameplay or whatever and fun, I guess. But it really does put a lot of pressure on other decks to perform, and Sultai pushes out a lot of decks that could beat Sacrifice um, or have a shot. Now, will those decks actually perform? I don't know, but they might. We we have to kind of wait to see. I don't know. It, it is scary though. I could see a Devil Ban, honestly. Yeah, if they ban Devil, they definitely need to do something about Muxos too, because then that just runs over the full format. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I could definitely see uh, Devil gone, Muxus gone, Uro gone, and just be like, hey, look, new new historic format. You well, They're not even banned. I guess that's the thing, right? Is that they could, they could ban those cards, and if the format ends up worse, they could get unsuspended because it is historic, which has the, yeah. weird, <laughs> the weird ban list that's really just the ban list that they say isn't, but whatever. I wish they would utilize the suspension list so much better. I, I love the idea of suspension list, and then they just don't use it. Yeah, it feels like like if you really wanted to use the suspension list, this seems like a great time, right? You're like, we're going to hit Skirt Prospector and Mayhem Devil. So you still have your cat oven stuff if you want to do that sort of thing. You still get that sort of engine. You still get to do Muxus things. You just can only do it, like, you know, on turn fourth and Iron Craig Feet, or if you start working in weird cards. And like, okay, like, here are your tools. Let's try mixing this up. Let's see if we can keep these cool cards in the deck. And if it turns out that, you know, the decks are still too good or whatever, then swap them out, right? Be like, all right, you get your Skirt Prospector back, but we get Muxus. Like, cool. We, we tried. We're sorry. Didn't work out. That would be cool. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see what they do, though. I, I, ho- I can only hope we get something like that. Um, Pioneer. That's the other one. And this is one where... Uh, I, you've played way more Pioneer than I have in the last little, like, since Inverter's banning. And Uro's been one of the best things, if not the best thing in that format, um, outside of kind of Luka Fire stuff and weird moments of combo. So what what do you think about Uro and Pioneer, Allie? Um, Uro's primarily just been the, like, Reclamation decks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's what I've looked at, at least. Yeah. yeah. Um... I think I definitely enjoy kind of that approach as opposed to like get rid of all combo decks or whatever. And I know some people are just like off pioneer in general because there are so many combo decks, but I don't know. I think combo is really cool. And I like the approach of banning the actual like broken card. Maybe wilderness wreck is actually a problem too. But every time I play Pioneer, I play, like, five different decks every league I play. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of fun. I think the gameplay is super interesting. I actually just don't understand the hate for Pioneer. It's very cool and whatever. But, I mean, Uro's an egregious card. I think it should just be scrubbed from Magic, but... Yeah, Uro's definitely, like, a weird... It's a weird spot in a lot of formats. It's also weird because... That format is very combo-centric, it seems, especially when looking at it. You know, I guess that depends on if you agree that Wilderness Reclamation is a combo with some of the cards that it plays. I think it is. I think Allie agrees, so we're calling it that. Um, if you disagree, then, you know, whatever. <laughs> but either way, the Uro decks, though, really do stop. Like, it gives your deck an out to things like 
burn, right? Like it gives you this weird hate card that like fits with your plan while also beating all the decks that try to interact. So it's like if your opponent tries to counter a bunch of your cards, Uro beats you. And if your plan is to attack them, Uro doesn't lights out really unless it comes back and gets like a turn to be around. But it does hurt your plan while also stopping that other plan while not really costing you a slot. So it, it is weirdly unbeatable in a lot of ways. It doesn't seem like it would be that, but it is that. Um, at least in my experience with the card. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to Pioneer. Um, my thoughts are is that the combo decks, like get a little worse and maybe the can like mid rangey decks can get a little better because they can actually run the combo decks out of cards, but maybe that's not true. Maybe like the lowest fields of the world are too good, etc. etc. I'm not sure. So also they might just ban Lotus Fields, you know, we, we don't we don't know when it comes to that one. So that, that format is so so all over the place in the direction they're trying to take things. Maybe they'll unban inverter alley. Maybe they'll free inverter. Yeah, I think at this point you kind of just have to try things in Pioneer to get people invested in the format again. I like I really like the format, but clearly like to some extent you do have to cater to what people want. Yeah, especially when Pioneer has been well more recently it's been doing a little bit better, you know, new sets kind of help that. But in the not-so-distant past, it was barely firing on some stuff on Magic Online. And when your format gets to barely firing, we saw stuff like the inverter bans happen, right? Where like it's like, okay, we get it. We're going to take big steps here. We're going to ban a bunch of stuff. Sorry. And it feels like we're pretty much in that kind of space again. And so I, I could see some big stuff happening. And it seems like that would probably be the decision if I was uh, the dictator and in charge of it all. So let's talk about modern real quick. Um Ali, I think I think modern changes a good bit, but we still see a lot of blue decks. I, I think the Mystic Sanctuary, Mystic Sanctuary plus Uro was messed up. It gave you like this unbeatable lock against a lot of decks, the Cryptic Command. But I still think that those decks are quite good. They just become a little worse, um, and they have to play real win conditions. We talked, to, I talked about Pioneer. You know, Uro kind of does it all when it comes to stopping and winning the game. I think Uro does it all here in Modern even more so. It just the answers are so good and so efficient. Um, but what do you think is going to happen? I think this is the format that's going to see the most changes, honestly. I think Modern's just been not great for a while, and I think there's a lot of things that need to be addressed in this BNR. Like, Uro's a great start, but then... Like you said, the Mystic Sanctuary decks are still going to be around because that card's pretty messed up, I think. Yeah, I think I think Uro uh, takes a lot of the heat from Mystic Sanctuary. I don't know if you've seen the meme where like the knight's on top of the princess and he takes all the arrows, you know? That's why I feel Uro is from Mystic Sanctuary. Like A lot of people just don't get that, like, no, it, it's the, the, the queen. She's the like she's one of the big problems with it, but he's taking all the fire. Um, so I, yeah, I could see that. I, honestly, like if someone set the line at four and a half on rules change slash banning in modern, I could definitely see it being above like five plus things, including a rules change. Cause I do think something's going to happen to Valky. Either Valky gets banned for a little while until they figure out how to change the rules to make it work the way they want, or they change the rules and they make it so we can't cascade into Valky anymore because the cascade into Valky stuff is just so... It's like Hogak Summer. It's truly unbeatable. It, it is the best thing to do in the format by a lot. And if you're not doing it, you're doing it wrong. It's just that simple. 
Um, I'm also sick of these Tybalt trickery decks. Yeah, I'm we, so sick of them. Yeah, we haven't even had... It's weird because the format moved past them so quickly, right? Like, we found out this other thing's even more powerful than that. So it might be that we see Tybalt trickery also go, um, which would be... That would be a, a bit surprising to me if that goes and things like Mystic Sanctuary don't, but I, I could see them hitting all of these things. And like, maybe yeah. they'd even hit I'm, Field of the Dead. I, who knows? Like, really where yeah. they want to take it. I... As cool as, like, people love their, like, blue soup nonsense decks, it has gotten to a point where it feels like you can almost take game actions at random and you just run away with the game and nothing else can compete to you because your cards are just on such a different fundamental power level than your opponents it's just absurd yeah yeah it, it definitely you definitely hit game points with erode sanctuary cryptic where it just doesn't matter what your other cards are just like as long as you establish that they just they could win but like not really <laughs> you know like it's just so unlikely if you play right it, it's absurd. My, my brief foray into modern when they gave the mythic tokens showed that very quickly. It was like, oh, I just literally play every game towards getting like this set up and my opponents just can't win. And it's not like people don't know about it. It's not like this is a new thing. It's a thing we've been dealing with for a while. So it, it's pretty crazy. So let's move on. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who <laughs> messaged us about uh, that and supporting the show via patreon.com. And if you also want to support the show, you go to Oasis Games. Oasis Games is our sponsor. You use code Would That Be Good at checkout to get 15% off your first order, and use code CCMTG at checkout to get 4% off every order. Allie, let's hop into standard though. Uh, it's the main topic for today's episode and the main thing. When we last left Allie last week, we were kind of we were feeling good about, if I remember correctly, we felt good about Gruel. We felt pretty good about Rogues, and we felt pretty good about the Jun deck. Is that about right? Is that where we kind of we were? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's the the general spot. And now we've come back, and I feel like <sighs> at least one of those decks I don't feel good about anymore in the form of Gruel. And I'm feeling a little worse about Jund Rakdos as I've been playing more in the last day or so. So I think we should just start with Gruul. Ali, I would go as far as to say that Gruul has to take drastic steps to continue to compete in the current format. Would you say that's a fair statement? I saw that, um, like, the Naya version of Gruul Adventures mm -hmm. got second in the Moto Standard Challenge this past weekend. But looking at the SCG... That's where, like, the Sultai decks, Ultimatum, and Not were kind of, like, relevant or prevalent. Mm -hmm. And uh, upon playing against them, wowee, there is nothing you can really do against the Emergent Ultimatum or whatever it's called. It's the Sultai Ultimatum. You, you nailed that's, the name, Emergent one. Ultimatum. You, you crushed Ooh, it. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, you you can't you can't do anything against that. Yeah, so we, we probably should talk about Sultai here because this is part of the reason why I think Gruul is so has just fallen off uh, its throne and down the stairs and maybe has to do a lot to climb back up. But um, yeah, so the deck is like a Sultai control deck that ramps a little bit with things like Cultivate and Wolf Willow Havens, plays a bunch of board clears, a bunch of uh, answer spells, a Yorion, some of the Yorion stuff, and then plays Ultimatum and Ultimatum Package. So if you haven't played with the Soul Tail Ultimatum, 
you go and you look for three monocolored cards, and your opponent basically factor fictions. They pick one to go back in your deck, and you cast the other two. So there are a lot of piles that they can get, but like the common one that just beats Gruul almost every time is if you get a Vorinclex, a Cure of Best of Sea Gods, and Alfron's Epiphany, um, Alderon's Epiphany, sorry about that, um, you basically always get another turn against them, and typically they can't win if they ever leave the other two pieces around because you just have other stuff that works with that. And it's just such a backbreaking thing. If they take Vorinclex plus Cure of Best of Sea God, you actually get both chapters of the saga, so it will tap their whole team down and won't get to untap. So they, you won't actually take another turn, but it'll be so unlikely for them to kill you on crackback. And if they give you a time walk, obviously, that gives you another turn. And that has been really strong. And then matchups and points where you don't need to like buy time or whatever, if you get the Epiphany, the Vorinclex, and a Valky, you can cast Valky on the back half and you get a big Tibble with a bunch of loyalty and you can ultimate it. And so that also wins the game normally on the spot. And so it has all these different things. And that's before you do things like, oh, I want Extinction Event, Shadows of Verdict, uh, epiphany right and it's like all right i'm going to cast these rafts and kill everything we're like i want this this card draw spell you know there's so many different things you can do and they utterly crush the gruel deck and you're really good at keeping them back far enough to where they can't kill you and i think the best comparison i've heard is the teamer decks in theory were there to beat the gruel deck right ali like you play teamer ultimatum you hit a bunch of stuff, and the Gruul deck cannot come back. You've just overwhelmed them with cards and presents, and sometimes you, you got them with the Terror of the Peaks. The Sultai deck never misses. It never has four lands and a Beanstalk Giant. It never hits a, like a Brazen Borrower and a couple lands and a Bone Crusher Giant. It always hits the things you want because you build your packages that way. And you build it where you're either winning the game or answering the board, like basically every time. And that is really hard to beat, it turns out, Allie. It turns out it's nigh impossible. <laughs> Uh, as the Gruul decks. So, yeah, I've played just like both sides of those and you, like I still think the Gruul deck is fundamentally powerful, but when you're facing down something like that with like infinite board wipes or just like no way to actually interact with or stop uh, the ultimatum at all, you end up just losing the game because you just can't interact or come back from that. Yeah, it, it's almost like... I think another way to maybe explain it is, like, the problem with Esper Doom was that sometimes they couldn't close the game, but this deck just closes the game as well. And that's, like, such a huge factor that we often... I often talk about on the show that, like, winning is overrated. Or underrated, sorry, by Magic players. They think, oh, I'll get around to winning, but, like winning at a certain point is really important and good and this deck does that and it does it really well uh, the more i've played this deck i definitely think it's beatable i think it has a real rogues problem and i think we'll get to a healthy churn but right now i think girl decks need to do stuff like play rolling vortex because the ultimatum does cast the cards so they will get nugged for five so you can do something like that as a way to hurt them or Maybe you have to play a little wet gruel alley. You got to, you know, splash an island, play some pathways and get some negates in your board. But if you're going to play a tournament this weekend and you're playing your plans to play a gruel deck, you need to do something because it is, like Alice said, so hard to win with all those answers. What do you think about that idea, though, Allie? The, the rolling vortex at first, which, in case you don't know at home, it does a damage on each player's upkeep to that player. And if a player casts a spell without paying mana, that player takes five damage so it would 10 them if you ultimatumed since you do have to cast the spells what do you think about that one what do you think about splashing negating gruel instead of naya cards 
I always uh, forget that Roiling Vortex has more text. <laughs> oh, yeah, it also stops life gain, right? Like, you can spend mana? I forget that did that, too. Yeah, I think I actually like that a lot, if, especially if you have, like... It's not legendary, right? You can have multiple in play. Oh, you can have two. I've done it in Vintage Alley. A little nice force mm -hmm. of will. You know? Help me. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it, you can have two. Yeah, I think if you're looking at something like that, you can just play straight up Gruel again so you can keep playing your gold span dragons because I think I think that card's just like one of the best cards in the set. Mm -hmm. The new set. Um, or, uh, yeah. It, I, I really like that idea. I think the wet gruel idea is fine. It might, like, take away from your main game plan a little bit, but, I, I mean, at that at this point, it's just, like, better than doing nothing, for sure. Yeah, I, I think you have to pick something. I, I don't know if the negate plan's good enough, but I know you can sideboard an island for your Fable Passages, and I think you could play enough pathways where it's fine in the main deck. So that's something you have to get the the mana in play though, which could be awkward, I guess. But I I really cannot suggest you just play stock gruel this weekend. I, I think you will have trouble. Even though I think rogues is a really good choice for this weekend weekend because you know we're talking about the Sultai deck. Everyone's really talking about this Sultai deck, and so you know maybe like oh I I can beat these rogue decks. But you gotta remember people are still gonna play Sultai even without the case. So you have to come prepared. For at least a little while, and maybe forever. It might just turn out the deck can adapt enough. It It is a Yorion, you know, bug deck, so it has a lot of options and a lot of ways to pivot. So what we're going to have to see on that. What do you think about the, uh, while we're here, the Sultai decks that aren't ultimatum-based? The more, like, Maze Mind Tome, Grind You Out with Card Advantage decks. Yeah, I tried those a lot, too, and honestly, I ended up switching back to the ultimatum version because it was just more fun. Sure. But I I think it has a lot of like the similar good stuff that you're looking for in the format, more like interaction, more like ways to clear the board. I think the issue is you don't have that like I win the game button like you kind of do with if you're playing like Ugin or something. But I, I think you just had a good point that you brought up earlier that people do undervalue just winning the game right there and now, and this is more of like a grindy, control-ish deck, play play a handful of turns, win eventually. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think the, the non-ultimatum versions are just kind of like bad Doom Foretold decks right now. I think the Esper Doom decks got a big um, boost with, I think it's, Alderaan's Epiphany? No, no, that's a time walk. Alderaan's Saga. The Saga where you can wish for a card out of your sideboard. I'm going to look it up right now on my phone while I'm talking here. But I think that's a pretty big get because it lets you fill the uh, Omen of the Sea spot. Or sorry, Omen of the Sun spot. But then you get to play a wide variety of things. You get to play things like Dance the Mance without having to put it in your main deck and have that awkward draw. And so I think that's a really, really big deck, uh, big get for this deck. It's called the Raven's Warning, by the way. I think that's um, pretty pivotal to this oh, deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It also kind of, sometimes you just get to draw a card or whatever, you know? You just, like, nug them with the bird, and that that's pretty good. So uh, I think the Sultai decks don't do as good of a job of that, and if they don't have the ultimatum, then it's like, well, this other deck has a way to really win, and it doesn't really cost them any slots because they already won in an effect like this. And so now you get to do that and have it. So 
yeah, I'm kind of lower on the Sultai, not ultimatums, and higher on the Esper if you think that's the way to go. You can still negate, you know, the ultimatum decks out of the game if you do that. Let's talk about Rogues. I know how much you love Rogues, Ali. We saved it for last last week, but this week it does seem to be kind of in a prime position uh, looking at the Sultai decks. What do you think about Rogues' position uh, in the metagame currently? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're trying to beat the ultimatum decks, this is a good way to metagame that tournament. I I have played so much Saltai on the ladder just uh, yesterday and the day before that. Um, it's definitely a popular choice. Maybe that changes in like the next two days before the weekend, but um, I think if you expect a lot of the ultimatum deck, it is kind of like a clunky tap-out deck that doesn't have a ton of counter spells until post board. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the the I think the biggest thing to remember about that matchup as like thinking about like why would you play rogues in this? Because they do we mentioned them a lot of answers like board wipes and stuff, is that they do need to resolve some of their bigger spells to actually win. They don't have a way to grind you out forever like the mid-rangey builds do and the Esper decks do. So your end of the stories will actually catch you up given time. And so as long as you're able to counter the ultimatums and keep the Klexes and the Curabestus Sea Gods off the board, you're actually kind of just fine. You know, the Time Walks don't really beat you. That's not good enough against you. So the the matchup is just really hard for them. You have all these hard answers for what they're trying to do, and they are expensive what they're trying to do, at least game one. And so while you do have a Kasuma problem post-board that you have to figure out and deal with, but you can always drown in the lock that when it comes down. So drown in the lock solves all your problems and rogues looks to be in a, a pretty solid place. It does have a problem with the deck. I'm going to segue to right now, Ali. And this is one I know you're a pretty big fan of. I played a good bit of it for the standard challenge and I played the Rakdos version for the SCG this past weekend. And that's the Rakdos mid range decks and the Jund variant playing Corvald that we kind of mentioned a little bit last week. And Ali, let's start with the Jund build since I think that was one that people haven't talked as much about. What do you think about that one as it did win the SCG last weekend? I think I'm more of a fan of the Jund version. I think um, it the main deck is really similar to the Rakdos version, just has like the pathways um, because Corvold is so easy to splash with the uh, the two new pathways that the deck gets to utilize. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess one was already in there for the green, but the the black green one is very helpful to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we, uh, like to see a little rogues when we play this, but, um, I think it's also pretty good against, like, the aggro decks, too. I haven't played much against the Saltai ultimatum deck, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm informed enough on that matchup specifically to have, like, a concrete opinion, but I can definitely see a world where you're kind of, like, I like making it difficult for them to have all of their resources with um, like making them discard or just kind of like putting that pressure on them at the same time. Like maybe they don't get to turn seven to actually do something, but yeah, I've played the matchup a a little bit from both sides um, and I've talked about it a bit. So I I think the Jun deck is slightly less favored. I, I think the, Sultai deck does have that win combination, um, and its combination of win cards I think is actually stronger against Jun than it is Gruul because you don't have something like 
ember cleave to like catch you back up or to steal the win like if you fall behind like that it's really hard for you to catch back up since they have so many advantage cards and the card Voren Collect is actually really good against your Corvald, your Amberstorm Dragons, your Crow and Wars, things like that, that are your kind of catch-up mechanics, no longer work once you have the Voren Collect. So it becomes very hard because it's like, okay, I have to give you, like, Valky and Time Walk because I can't actually beat a Voren Collect. It's a, this is a real problem, most likely. And then at that point, it's like, okay, I'm giving you two turns with this Planeswalker that draws a lot of cards and takes over the game. So it's a real pincer. But I do think the Jun decks are able to curve out. You know, they have main deck uh, Skyclave Shades, which powerful 3-1 to curve out. You have Bone Crusher Giants, you have the Amberstorm, you have the Corvald. And so I think it's kind of one of those matchups where it's like 45-55 type thing, where it's slightly favored Soul Tide. They're going to win more of the time. Their game plan is stronger. But it is not so bad that it's insurmountable. Um, and with some sideboard changes, you can probably make the matchup much better. So th that's kind of where I am on it. Um, I'm also a pretty big fan of this uh, gen deck after playing it a little bit for these last couple of days and playing in a bunch of the standard challenges. Ali, I'm going to kind of segue us into Rakdos here. I'm going to lead the charge on the Rakdos thing because I did it on Twitter a little bit and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Over the weekend, Ali, we saw a lot of people playing Rakdos in the SCG qualifiers. We saw um, Philippa uh, 6-0 and then a bunch of people uh, took her list and started playing it. And I have one big problem with all these decks. They're all Croxa decks, which I think is great. I think Croxa is actually a fine way to go. I don't think it's as strong as Corvald, but I think it's a reasonable strategy and has its perks in areas like Is It Tempo and Rogues and things like that, where you get much stronger points there. I don't think you need the points in those matchups right now or in general, but you do have those. And Rogues was looking pretty good going to the weekend, so I think it was a great choice for that. But all the decks cut the cards that enable those cards. I saw two to three Meyer Tritons all weekend. I saw two to three Timurit Calls the Dead all weekend. And we all were a Croxa deck, and we we're just making it harder for us to Croxa. So I played it on the weekend. I was fairly happy with my choice. I don't think it was the best choice. I knew of a Sultile Domainum deck, and I should have worked on it to make it a little bit better uh, for the weekend and for Sunday. I think it was the, the right choice ultimately looking back on it. But I put four Meyer Tritons, four Timurit Calls the Dead, and it became kind of a meme in our in our Discord where the the having the Meyer Trident was pivotal in so many different moments. So it's like I won the race because of the two life in the blocker, or my Timurit calls the dead. I kept like milling into those so I didn't have to exile my Croxus to get the bodies, and you want the zombie bodies. And so I think if you play Rakdos, I, I cannot suggest highly enough that you should play four Meyer Tridents, four Timurit calls the dead if you're a four Croxa build. Since your deck revolves around Croxa, those cards find Croxa and enable Croxa. And you want to go Meyer, Timurit, Croxa on four? That curve is very hard for any deck in standard to beat. That's my rant. What do you think? No, I absolutely agree. I saw a bunch of those lists, and like I know a handful of the Jun lists are still playing Croxa, but like if you're not playing those cards, like Croxa's fine as like a one or two of you're not playing for Croxa in these lists without the Meyer Tritons or without the Tiramet Calls the Dead. It's just like you can't consistently enable that and in those decks that you're not doing that and you're trying to enable it croxa being like the two of makes it like the two or one of is just kind of like oh this is like a good card that can like come back and be recursive or can be your edge against rogues or it is just like a powerful spell for later against like spot removal or something it's not that's not your main goal if you're not playing 
the Tyramid, like Call of the Deads and the Mire Tritons, like you said, so you're not gonna want to be playing four of those four crocs. So. Yeah, it, it you need to enable your cards and the plan of like I'm gonna play magic and over the course of playing magic I will fuel my croxes and things works if everyone's playing fair, right? Or if you're playing against rogues. Like that that sort of plan can work out. But cards like the Great Hinge, Embercleave, Ultimatum, these are not fair cards. These are not cards that play by those normal rules. And so you, it's really hard to lean on those. And while I could see why there was so much success with it, and I think it's, I, it's, we're talking about three or four cards here. So, hey, a lot of the time these things aren't going to, you know, work out fine. I totally see how it happened, but cannot suggest highly enough. Play our enabling cards when we're trying to enable a certain card. And if we're not going to move that way, I think that's fine. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I actually took my Croxes and put them in my sideboard alley of Jund. And I put some more removal in my main deck. Um, just because I was like, well, these Croxes are so eh in the Jund deck. And it's nice to have like a powerful card. But I can bring those in against rogues in the matchups where I want them. And I'd much rather have a card like Heartless Act. Or I'm experimenting with different things there. But, you know, just cards like that. Or things I can be more answering the board and have a way to catch back up if my opponent does start to pull ahead. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that sort of stuff very easy to do, not the end of the world. But also, it was driving me crazy. I was just everywhere I would look on Twitter, there was two to three Meyer Tridents, and I gotta say, the third Meyer Trident people, you break my heart more than the two. The two people, they at least you know they had a couple. They were a little lower on Croxes, but the three just fit the fourth in. Treat yourself. I promise, <laughs> it's great. Two life treat. blocks everything. Dies the Bone Crusher Giant. Anyways. Let's talk about Is It Tempo. Uh, is It Tempo continues to be a, a popular choice in all these tournaments. We kind of talked about that last week, how these sort of decks always stay a little popular. Ali, with the rise of the Assault High deck, do you think there's a chance for Is It? Do you think we have a little bit of a rotating format going on here? What are your thoughts? I still think this deck is garbage. Mm -hmm. And by garbage, <laughs> I mean exactly fine. But I, I just, like, I don't like this deck i'm not a fan of it i think you have better counterspell and removal options in rogues if you're just going to play this deck just play rogues the the only appeal to it is gold span dragon because that card's very good but I, I i don't think you can make a playable deck off of four cards in your deck yeah at least not when they're not like, Goldspan Dragon is good, but it's not, like, always win the game good, right? It is a 5-mana 4-4 four, four for, like, you know, like, that flies. Like, <laughs> it's not, like, Uro, you know? It's not unbeatable. Yeah, I, I would sooner have my only good card in my deck be, like, a card like Uro. Like, then maybe you could play this deck. If, like, this Goldspan Dragons were, like, Uro instead, I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure, that makes sense. But, uh... Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. I, I know some people who, who feel that that's actually the case for rogues, that end of the story is their only good card. And I disagree with that statement, but even if you work under that assumption, I actually think end of the story is a better card as a one-of to win, right? Like, if you build your deck with some miscellaneous way to win and a bunch of counter and kill spells, then, yeah, the draw four is way better than the Goldspan Dragon. It's so much harder for them to actually beat that sort of thing. So <laughs> I would also argue that Drown in the Lock is an absurd card, too. Yeah, I, I think that and Thieves Guild Enforcer are three really... I, Thieves Guild Enforcer is a subtly absurd card, but its ability to be a removal spell for one mana, it's like a fatal push. 
that also sometimes is Delver of Secrets. And I think that versatility gets slept on a lot. Like, that card's messed up in the show. Um, and it helps it, in, it helps those other two cards out, you know? Makes it, makes it all like a perfect uh, perfect sauce. Anyways, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the Is It deck is good. I don't think it's like a bad deck. I don't think it's like, uh, I can't even think of a bad deck that's like in this format that sees a lot of play. Um, it's just not like a, like a terrible choice. Like, oh my gosh, why are you doing this? It's so silly, so dumb. Um, but I, I do think there are better things you could be doing. And I, I could see in my head like a theoretical world where you could play an Izzy Tempo deck. Um, but some of the cards you're playing are just not that good. Like Saw It Coming is not that good of a card. Like Frostbite is a fine card. Like Into the Multi or Behold the Multiverse is pretty good. But, like, there's a lot of things. Brazen Borrower is good. Bone Crusher is good. But, like, is this the best Brazen Borrower or Bone Crusher shell? I don't think so. Like, I think you could play a lot of these same cards in a Genesis Ultimatum deck. You know, your Goldspan Dragons help a lot with that as well. Even if the Goldspan dies, you know, it's going to at least get a treasure most likely. So you can cash your Ultimatum a turn sooner. I, I'm yeah. just, I'm skeptical of a lot of things. Um, I think it is really fun to play, though. I Actually, I watched a, a friend of ours, uh, Derek, Misplaced Ginger, play in the Lotus Box Octagon today. I don't know if you've heard of Lotus Box, Allie Warfield of Team Lotus Box. Um, but he played against Sandy Dog. And it, they had a really cool matchup of Is It Tempo versus uh, White Weenie, which we're going to talk about here in just one second. And that was really fun to watch. And that was a really cool game. Uh, and I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I saw it. But the whole time I was kind of like... Man, if you just had like some Thieve Guild Enforcers, you'd be living it right now. Your opponent would be dead. You know, like if you just had some cheap, efficient cards. Um, so, yeah, I, I am a little lower on Is It Tempo, and I, I do think you should just pick up the Rogue Mantle and deal with the, the rough Rakdos and Jun matchup. You know, you, you can beat those things. Uh, it, it isn't easy, uh, but also it's really hard to play those sort of decks with everything going on and experience them a bunch of times. White Weenie, Ali, those showdown, the Scald decks uh, continue to perform subtly and silently. It was one of the better performing decks over the past weekend, but with a low player size. What do you think of those decks after having a week to kind of see them more in action and see them get a little bit more tuned? Um, I actually still like these decks. I've seen a couple of like the actual just like mono white decks not splashing for Scald, and I think that's really bad. But Yeah, um... I don't like that. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's just actively bad, but I think Scald is kind of just an absurd magic card, and I think it actually fits really well in this mono-white deck. Yeah, I, we, we talked about it a bit ad nauseum last week on how efficient it is, but it really can't be understated, and I think we're getting closer and closer to kind of what maybe the, the ultimate or the final version of this deck looks like. Um, I, I've seen a bit more of a Boros build recently. I don't know if you've seen that, where they play more red cards than just Skull, so they have some Ember Cleaves, Robbers of the Rich. That's actually what Sandy Dog, Sandy Dog had some Robbers in his deck and a couple red Cyborg cards, and I think that oh, maybe something like that's Robber. good. Yeah, the, the Robber of the Rich gives you just even another way to keep up with these cards, right? Which is kind of sick, because your deck does deploy your hand really quickly. So I, I think there's a lot of room to develop these decks, a lot of space still to explore which is interesting um given like how it's an aggressive deck and normally we can figure those things out a little quicker than we could like a mid-range deck or whatever but i do think there's still some room and i think it's a it's kind of like is it where i think it's a good deck it's a fine deck but i do think it is just not the right place right now and you could do well with it but it's going to be a little bit harder than some of these other decks 
Yep, I agree. I don't have a ton of input on this deck because I haven't really played it, but I, conceptually, I think it's almost there again. This week for Card Kingdom are both the place where we write. I wrote all about Showdown of the Scald and the random aggressive decks, along with the Rune deck, which we're not going to talk about here today. Allie, <laughs> what <laughs> deck would you play in a standard tournament for this weekend? You got, you got, the, you got the split coming up here soon. So where, where's your head at? Where are you eyeballing? What are you thinking? I like the Sultai Ultimatum deck, and I also like um, Jund. Jund. I'm Jund. probably leading more towards Sultai right now. No, no wet gruel. I can't get you on some moist gruel, damp gruel, mm. towelette gruel. <laughs> I still think like a version of gruel is still probably good, and I think what we talked about today is on the right track. Yeah, gotta do something. I'm not sure what that something is, but gotta try some stuff. Uh, I think I'm roguing it up or sultying it up. Um, I do like the Jun deck. I played it a lot in like the standard challenge thing on Arena, where you like you try to get 30 packs or whatever. And I had some good runs, but I I do think right now it's just not the perfect time for it. And so I, I like the the leaning towards Sultai. We're trying to beat Sultai and have a well-rounded game plan in rogues and. I'm kind of I'm I'm there for right now, and I, I hope to play Jund on a weekend because I think that deck is really fun to play, um, and it's really good too. Despite you know everything I just said right there, it's not like it's terrible, which is something that's lost by the way. I feel like before I, we leave here, I feel like if you if you don't say you'd play a deck, people think you te- it's terrible, and sometimes it's like nah, I just don't think it's the weekend for it, or I don't think it's the time for it. It's not like it's terrible. We don't hate you for playing it. I hate you for playing one Meyer Trident. If I find out a listener of ours played one Meyer Trident in their Rakdos deck, I'll do everything in my power to remove the RSS feed from them. One Meyer Trident? One? Come on. Have some respect. Zero four. That's where I'm at. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Constructed Criticism, the Meyer Trident rant episode. If you want to find us, Allie, where can they find you? Twitter at MythicMebo or Twitch.tv slash mythic underscore mebo i also write a card kingdom with d mason clark that's me that's right you can find me every thursday on card kingdom and ally every friday at card kingdom uh this week i write about showdown ally you're writing about modern is that right yeah how to get back into modern exciting so go check out those articles and i'm sure we'll both be writing about the brand new worlds post Euro next week I'm sure that will be our articles <laughs> or something along those lines. Uh, spoilers. Uh, and if you want to find me, you can find me uh, at Mason E. Clark on Twitter. And you can find me on YouTube at Mason Clark. You'll find me there. And I got my computer back this whole time, Allie. Listeners haven't known. But for two months, I have not had my nice computer, the one that I bought mid-quarantine, that can do it all, that can edit videos. And I have all these ideas for content. I have all these sweet things. I talked about it a little bit last week. And I had the computer back now. And I'm very excited to get to the get back on the grind, get back to streaming, getting to kind of do that kind of sort of thing. Because I haven't got to do it and I've wanted to for this whole time. So I'm really itching and ready to go. Yeah. Clicks, clicks. Give me clicks. All right. We'll see you all next week for another episode of Constructed Criticism. <laughs> <laughs>